Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. Welcome to episode 191 of Smart Enough to Know Better. We are a podcast of science and comedy and ignorance. I'm Dan Beeston. I am Gregoire. And in this episode of Smart Enough to Know Better, I'm going to try to avoid casting shade. Stink pig. Then I shall talk to the birds. But before we get there, Greg Wa, what happened to you this week in science? I came across some unconscious bias that affects pretty much all of us. You became and conscious of it? I became conscious of this unconscious bias that I had and many people listening has. Don't worry if anyone listening right now who wants to switch off like, oh God, he's going to start talking about sexism or something. I'm not, I'm not, that's a whole thing, but I'm not talking about that. This is, this is what amazed me about this is how unconscious biases can be everywhere and you just swim in them your entire life. This one turned up, but so we'll get back to the unconscious bias bit, Dan. Can I ask you, as a meat eater, can you please tell me if you could have a, a range of meats on a table, you could have a meaty festival and you could, you like cooking? You're a big cooking guy, aren't yes, you? Yes, I do like cooking. You're a big cooking guy. If I said, Dan, I want you to break my vegetarianism by preparing a, an array of meats, can you please rattle off what meats that you would show to me, you would give to me on a table? So is this to try to... Excite you back yes, into yes. the world. Come, meeting. come, smell, smell, please, mm, eat. So I probably don't want to go for awful or anything sort of super weird. Probably not. No, I want something real comfortable, like yeah. a, like a, like some ham. Yeah, yeah, lovely yeah, yeah. glazed ham. There you go, hams. Yeah, pig. Very good. Yep. Yep. Yeah, like, yep. Obviously, chicken wings are just amazing. Chicken, good. Yep. Some people like beef mm-hmm. and lamb. Beef and lamb. Uh, yep. Beef Excellent. and lamb, not great for the environment. Mm. Like quite terrible for the mm. environment. Actually, it's the Bitcoin of meats. The Bitcoin of meats. That's yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm mm. getting that on a shirt. <laughs> The, oh my goodness, and I have invested a lot. <laughs> now, you've also got your seafood. Yes, seafoods, yeah, which is a type um, of meat, even though when also I- Also, some people don't like seafood very much. I'm not a big seafood eater. I never was, even when I ate meat. I don't know if I ever told the listeners this. When I came out as vegetarian, I told my parents, and they were a little bit shocked, and but they respected my choice, and they just wished I wasn't, have I tried not being vegetarian? No, no, they, they were fine. And my mother, but a bit surprised, because I was well-known as a big meat eater when I was younger, and my mother invited me over. She said, I'll oh, come over and I'll make you a big dinner, my young vegetarian son. I'm like, okay, cool. And so I turn up, and every dish had fish in it. <laughs> I'm like, mother, uh, I'm a vegetarian. Yes, uh, she she's like- so pesky that way. <laughs> but, but she wasn't, and she, and I was looking at it, but it's meat. And she was like, no, it's, it's not, it's, it's fish. Like, what do you think of fish is? So I felt, and, and I felt very sorry for her because she tried so hard. She really yeah. did. Mm. But all these meats, Dan, that you've mentioned. Yeah. You haven't mentioned a couple. There's lots of meats you haven't mentioned. You yeah. Know, there's lots goat. Of goat. Rabbit. Meat. Goat, oh yes, if you, Indian food, you get a lot of goat. Yeah, yeah. that's very good. Actually, rabbits. Horse. One of, uh, well, well, and that's and there and there it is. You've kind of hit on it. You've, you've managed to stumble into this area. That's how I learn a lot of things. <laughs> so two where you mentioned there, rabbit and horse. Here, where I live in Western Australia, people have pet rabbits as pets. You're allowed. It still freaks me out because I lived in Queensland. That's insane. I know, and because in Queensland, because those things breed like. Um, <sighs> 
breed like um, Bitcoin. I mean, they breed really quick. <laughs> breed like Bitcoin. That doesn't make any sense. They as, do. They breed like Bitcoin. As in slowly and destroy the environment. No, it doesn't. Wait, is it? When you uh, expon- They exponentially destroy the environment. They're exactly like Bitcoin. And you are speaking very much like a Queenslander here, a Queenslander in Australia, because we're very much, people from Queensland have just, fear of rabbits you can't you literally can't have them even to sex you're not allowed to own rabbits in queensland but that's only Uh, in queensland oh can you yes there is one way that you can own a a rabbit in queensland and that is if you work professionally as a stage magician (laughs) (laughs) gotta carry in a hat at all times isn't that fantastic the the, the hat has so many security things on it (laughs) rabbit proof hat You've got you've got to store it through in, in a void space, mm, mm, mm. like so. It's not actually stored in Queensland; it's stored in the hat void. In the in the magical hat void, and what makes yes. sense that that's it. And then you can pull it out, but you, yeah, that's that's okay. It's not the same rabbit either. But yes, many, many other. Also, Australians- you've got to make sure you've got to make sure that their ability to breed can disappear. Mm, mm. <sighs> All right. So I was chatting to someone here about their, their rabbits and they were discussing how they love their rabbits. Got your rabbit cock. Got your rabbit cock. That's the, that's the, it's a very visual joke you just did then. That was very good. Yeah. For the listeners, I was holding my thumb between Mm. my two forefingers. It's true. It's true. Now rabbits, people love them. And I made the joke about, no, they're food, not friends. And this got them very upset because I just, you know, implied I wanted to eat their beloved family pet. I mean, that's, you know, it's, it's like saying, I'm going to come eat your dog. I, I get why hmm. they're upset, but it got me thinking about Mopsy casserole. <laughs> it, <laughs> Mopsy casserole sounds like a, a 1920s gangster mall. <laughs> I'm Mopsy casserole. <laughs> You're in a stew casserole. <laughs> she hopped into my office. <laughs> she, she, I wouldn't have done what she wanted, but she wiggled her tail right in my face. Anyway, let's get back to what we're trying to do. We're trying to do a podcast about science. Didn't we start off saying that this wasn't about sexism? (laughs) It got me thinking about other meats we don't eat. So rabbit, and there was a big emotional reaction. And then I went, wait, horses. Why don't we eat horses? It literally just came to me as a, hang on, why don't we eat horses? I think I saw one. I was like, well, there's a horse. Why don't we eat that animal? So I started looking into it because it seems very much. Maybe we're not that hungry. Well, that's true. And you have to. You could, huh? you could, I couldn't eat a whole one. I'm not one. that so hungry. Yeah, I could, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it's, uh, yep, the, yep, it's very good. Now, of course, our main, for a lot of our listeners, they probably don't eat horse either, but for some of them, they probably do. So the French eat a lot of horse still, uh, or they didn't for a while, then they did. The frog princess has eaten horse? Yes. When yep. she was a girl? The horse, that's, and the Italians eat a lot of horse supposedly as well, and that's got to do with people not having money. But why don't we actually eat horse? And so I started doing some look, looking into it. And the first thing I found was it's a non-kosher meat. The Jewish people were like, nope, you can't eat anything that isn't, doesn't have a split hoof or doesn't chew its cud. And horses don't have a split hoof and they don't chew its cud. So I went, oh, nope. case They're closed. They're like pigs and fruit bats. They're like pigs and fruit bats? Well, pigs, yeah. well, there's, they make different rules, by the way. We won't go into that too much because I don't know a lot about kosher. But pigs do have split hoofs, so they should be fine. But they don't, they don't chew, chew cud. They don't chew cud. That's right. So it's a whole they eat little- gangsters. That's what I learned in Snatch. They eat gangsters. I interesting. I learned it from Deadwood. Oh, now, aren't we cultured? Oh, look, ooh, that's the Shakespeare is swearing. Anyway, 
So we don't eat horse. And but I thought, well, don't eat horse because the, of the Jewish people. And, you know, you have the Christian Bible, the New Testament stuff, which is Old Testament 2. It's like the, you know, the sequel. And they thought, that's mm-hmm. it, case closed. But supposedly not. Supposedly when the Christians started doing their Christian thing, yes, they were Jewish people to begin with. Otherwise, where did they come from? But no, supposedly Christians started eating, were quite happy with eating horse meat quite quickly after Christianity became a thing. But they, people were it's eating- the only thing that they, that was the big draw. Look, come to Christianity. The, the, the mythos is a little bit quirkier, but you get to eat horse. Yeah, you get, oh, you get to eat all the horses. Have you ever eaten bacon before? Of course you haven't. <laughs> I'm a Christian. It's the bacon religion. <laughs> and we'll put a pin in that because I'm going to get back to bacon later on in the show, Dan. That was a, you just sizzled the bacon quite nicely. Thank you for that. Without even My knowing favorite it. thing to do. Dan didn't, had no idea that I was, I was going to talk about this later on. But so Christians were eating horse. So where did it come from? Why, why don't we eat horse? It's still a religious thing. It came down to the Christian's were trying to codify themselves as a religion and trying to join themselves all together. Remember, it wasn't kind of like, boom, here's Christianity. There's one Christianity. We all follow the same rule now. We all just go forwards. It was lots of different versions of it, you know, Gnostic Christians and all these other versions of Christianity doing their rounds. And slowly they were consolidating power under one version of Christianity, which we kind of call Catholicism now. Like it was all kind of becoming a, let's get all our poo in one sock gentlemen and gentle ladies, and go in one direction. But some of our poo directly conflicts with the other poo in in the sock. Don't worry about it. We'll clean just put it all in the same just sock. Put it in all the same sock. We'll have some councils of Trent and the Nicene Council later on. We'll get to that in the future. But right now, let's just try and go in the right direction. And in about the 6th century, there was a so yeah, Christianity, and you had the Germanic tribes doing all sorts of pagan stuff. And one of the things the pagans like to do, they were like, ah, oh, the, the king of the gods, you know, Odin, Woden, all the rest. We want you, you know, we love you. And part of their religion was sacrificing horses to Woden. We sacrifice all these horses. Now, of course, you've just killed a horse and that's a lot of meat lying on the ground. So, of course, you tuck on down. Everyone has mm-hmm. a bit of a nice horse steak. The Christians started to go, oh, we have to really stop that rubbish. So they sent St. Boniface... Boniface, I, once again, I've only read this. Uh, I want to say Boniface, B-O-N-I-F-A-C-E, but it's going to be Boniface uh, or something like that. If you, if this, Boniface. <laughs> I'm going to say probably not. Are you, are you have to. Are you have to edit that. I'm just wondering, is that a name or is that a? Uh, oh, it, yeah, it breaks down ruder than I meant it to. Yes. And he was sent to the north to tell everyone to stop eating horses. Now, of course, horses were also considered friends, not food at that point. They, they, they tried mm. to justify it, go, hey, the beasts of burden, all the rest. So we stopped eating horse because the Catholic Church was like, come on, everyone, pagans, get your shit together. And so the English stopped eating horse around that time as well. Uh, they said the Romans, when the Romans came to them originally, even though the Romans were like, stop eating horses back then. It's all very pagan. That was before this time. So it came, it's this really old thing. Then Pope Gregory the Third said, okay, no more horsing. We're, we're decreeing horse eating is out 730 something. And so horse eating was just gone at that point. It was, it was considered illegal hmm. by the religion. That, and that spread and that spread and Christianity did its thing and went all over the place. And it just became this taboo to eat horses. And as we said, I mean, there's a lot of places that aren't Christians that do eat horse. But then other people sort of fell out due to not having any food. Like in France, there was, there was famines and things. And so they started eating horse again. In Italians, we said before. But really it became this weird taboo that crossed the world. But people kind of forgot the reason. It's still not allowed in Catholicism, but it's not enforced. 
at all. Mm. It's You can eat a horse now if you're Catholic, but you probably shouldn't, but no one's going to come and get you. Supposedly God's not going to like kick you out of heaven for it. The Pope's like, ah, don't talk about this anymore. It's bizarre, but it's just in this culture that we live in. We just don't eat horse. We yeah, could. well, I, I mean, I don't think you should eat something you've named. Like, you shouldn't eat named things. And you know how the Mongolians get around that? They don't name their horses. Smart. Smart. That's why I don't eat tropical cyclones. <laughs> anyway, Dan, what's happened to you in science this week? I'm pretty sure that we've discussed this before on the podcast. Cool, but I have to do it again the, then. Oh, no, I've got more to add. Oh, <laughs> the worst plant in the world. Oh. It's from Australia. Mm. It's the stonefish of the plant kingdom. Mm. Gregoire? The stonefish, if you stand on it, you die. A murderous plant. It's the gimpy gimpy plant. Uh, no, okay. That, that. <laughs> oh, maybe we haven't talked about it on the podcast before. No, I'm sure we have. It is sometimes known as the stinging tree, the stinging bush, or more appropriately, the suicide plant. Oh, right. It has a thin vertical trunk, several straight branches that bifurcate and end in large heart-shaped leaves. Mm. Heart-shaped because they love... And what they love is to cause terrible, terrible pain and misery. Just like real love. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) The trunk and the branches and the leaves are all covered in tiny, tiny silica hairs. Each hair is like a hypodermic needle filled with our old friend, deadly neurotoxin. (laughs) Similar to the cone snail. Thankfully, it will not be in a dose that will kill you. Unthankfully, it will be in a dose large enough to make you kill yourself. If you grab the tree, your hand will get filled with hairs. If you touch the tree, your hand will get filled with hairs. If the back of your hand gently brushes a leaf, your hand will get filled with hairs. Mm. The hairs will immediately inject neurotoxin into you, causing excruciating pain that can last for days or months. The tiny needle in your skin will not break down. Several years later, those needles can still be found in your skin. When pushed or heated, they can and will release more deadly neurotoxin, causing pain and agitation. They do have edible fruit. Oh, good. The fruit is also covered in neurotoxin-filled <laughs> hairs. If you pluck off all the hairs, you can eat the fruit. Apparently, it tastes like a cross between a mulberry and Russian roulette. What, um, what animal evolved to take this fruit, then? Because fruits are used uh, to attract animals to, to spread the seed far and wide. Insects love eating the leaves of this thing. It just They just tear through them. Insects, little tiny things, they can walk around the needles. Mm, okay. The best thing you can do to address the tiny hairs in your flesh is come prepared with a wax strip. Lay the wax strip on the affected area and carefully remove. Mm. Many of the hairs will get removed by the wax strip. Not all the hairs will be removed by the wax strip. Mm. Caution. Do not rub the wax strip. <laughs> Rubbing the wax strip will further embed the hairs and release more, say it with me, listeners, deadly neurotoxin. <laughs> Hooray! It is quite common in Queensland, but thankfully very rare in southeast Queensland and almost extinct in New South Wales. Excellent. There is apparently a gimpy gimpy tree on Mount Mitchell, and this is where the frog princess and I went to do some bird watching. Oh, no. So we started out a four-hour hike And the very first thing I saw was a gimpy gimpy tree. The next 99 things I saw were also the gimpy gimpy tree. (laughs) 
There are so many of these things. Some of them really threaten to lean out over the path. Mm. There are no warnings, no signs saying, do not touch this horrible, horrible plant. If you were to slip from the side of the track, you would cascade through dozens of them. The end result would not be comfortable and it would continue to not be comfortable. If you put up a sign there, Dan, saying this is a gimpy gimpy tree, do not touch the gimpy gimpy tree. The first thing that people will do is race up and touch the gimpy gimpy tree. The thing about a tree that looks innocuous and, you know, is not, is that, you, yeah, you really, really want to touch it. It's like nature's version of the wet paint sign, (laughs) except instead of wet paint, the sign is touching this will result in you wanting to commit suicide just to get away from the pain. I have an exciting new Smart Enough to Know Better TV show idea or YouTube sensation idea. Oh, no. (laughs) You've sparked an amazing idea. We're going to be, we're going to start a whole new channel. I'm telling it here, ladies and gentlemen. Dan doesn't know this, but we're going to start a whole new channel. Have you heard? Is it it about choosing between two different types of torture? And is it called Gimpy or Gimpy Gimpy? That's a that's a very deep. That's a, cut that's a shot t- across the bow of Gimpy Australia. Gimpy Australia for Gimpy Australia. No, no. Have you heard of the YouTube sensational show called Hot Ones? Yes. So where celebrities eat hot spicy chicken and it gets progressively hotter and hotter yes. to break down their defences when it comes to answering questions. Exactly right. Now I think that's weak source. Ha ha. Weak source. And I realise now we should have the Gimpy Gimpy show. And we should get people like Chris Hemsworth to come on to our show and then eat one of the fruit from the gimpy gimpy tree and then try not to answer questions while screaming full of deadly neurotoxin. Yeah. Do you want to kill him? He's a tough guy. He's, they keep talking about how tough they are. Everyone's like, oh, I'm real tough. I can do the Yeah, but the sauce. tough you are, the more effective you are at killing yourself from the pain. Look, and that's, and, but we can get, get some very major insights into Chris Hemsworth's life as he's rolling around with facial agony as the uh, silica hairs pump neurotoxin into his lips and tongue and esophagus. I, I, I'll, I'll give you $40,000 to do a pilot. <laughs> <laughs> it's spring in Australia, or as the Indigenous inhabitants call it, first summer. <laughs> this means that the houses will warm up and we can turn on our air conditioners and cool down our homes at the expense of heating up the rest of the planet slightly more. <laughs> Now, in a country where the temperature gets so damn high and we use air conditioning, surely we would want to keep the heat out and the cold in. Mm -hmm. Of course not. (laughs) Australia has some of the worst housing in the first world. The Frog Princess has described winter in Brisbane as being the coldest she's ever experienced. Mm. While we are subtropical, we let all that sub into our homes at night. (laughs) So I've been looking at windows, specifically double glazed windows. The, uh, the idea is if it's super hot but and we do insulate the roofs a lot, but we want the heat to get out. So you don't want to glaze your windows in Queensland because otherwise in, in summer you're not going to be able to, the heat won't get out. Like you, We once, open the windows at night, Greg. Y- y- right. I get, yes, I guess so. Yes, I suppose so. Mainly the mosquitoes come yes, in they're, they're, and you get dengue fever. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not a big problem unless you uh, are more susceptible to dengue fever than others. <laughs> See previous episode for relevance. (laughs) Okay, let's start with the frame. Now, if you wanted a window frame that didn't conduct the hot outside world into the cool indoor world, what substance would you choose? Aluminium, I hear you say, (laughs) foolishly. Most windows in Australia have an aluminium frame. Mm. 
Double glazed windows have a thick PVC frame with a steel interior. Mm. The PVC gets segmented into a dozen pockets of air. So the sun hits the outside wall of PVC and then it heats up the air in the next pocket. And then the air heats up the next level of PVC and then the next pocket of air. And it does that like six times. So it sort of adds this wonderful buffer. It has to radiate through. So, yeah, you're not just conducting Mm. the heat directly through metal, through aluminium, which is a good conductor of heat. Yeah. Like air is a great insulator, Mm -hmm. but it convects heat. But if you can stop the convection, Mm. then you're laughing. It's only, only radiation at that point, yeah. So the outside of the glass absorbs infrared. The glass heats up and emits that heat out the other side. That panel of glass, which is mostly silicon, Mm -hmm. becomes a thermal mass. With double glazed windows, the outside panel of glass is a thin layer of silver coated on the glass. This reflects the heat energy away and a little bit of the light energy. So it's a little bit dimmer, but it's a lot cooler. And you can't see vampires through it anymore. Oh, now that's a negative, isn't it? That's a problem. And where, it stops werewolves coming through your window. Like a werewolf goes, true, true. Werewolf Swings goes, and a werewolf goes, smash through your window. You go, ah, oh, you bastard. You got double glazed windows. That would work, mm. wouldn't it? Yeah. But there you go. <laughs> we had a very quick, very quick crypto zoo right there in the center of, uh, the story. <laughs> With double glazed windows, the outside panel of glass is a thin layer of silver. It reflects the energy away. The heat is reduced by 80%. Oof. Then you have a second panel of glass at the back. It is separated by a rubber seal. Mm -hmm. If the outside piece of glass gets warm, there's a gas mass, a gaseous mass, Mm -hmm. between the panes to prevent the heat from getting across. Now, you could fill that void space with air, which is a mixture of oxygen and nitrogen. You could do that if you're a sucker. (laughs) Vacuum, Dan. Why not have the vacuum? Just vacuum it up. Then then you kind of... Only radiation can do it. That would be neat. But it would also require some much more impressive engineering. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Because you don't want any air to bleed in there. Mm -hmm. So if you don't want stuff to bleed through, then you kind of want it to be more dense. Now, argon is more dense than air. Uh, Greg, uh, if you put your head underwater... Mm -hmm. Oh, wait. (laughs) Uh, You'll notice that it's quieter. This is because of the density. Same with argon. If we filled the house with argon, it would get quieter and quieter and quieter until I stopped making noise altogether. That doesn't make sense. Hang on, wait. Sound through water travels faster because it's a more dense medium. So the denser a medium... It travels further. No, it's faster as well. It's No, it's not. Wait. Uh, Oh, hang on. So you've got a denser medium. Yes. Sound travels faster through a denser medium, I'm certain. So if you strike... It travels faster, but it gets quieter. Oh, okay, right. Okay. Because I guess it's more molecules bouncing around, so it's running into more things. But you still have to have a... I'm intrigued by that. Okay, all right, right, fair enough. Mm. A denser thing. But that doesn't... mm, I'm fascinated by this concept now. I'm I'm sure I'm wrong, but I just... Because you have really dense atmospheres on other planets, and it's not necessarily going to be quieter on those planets because the energy transfers more smoothly, I think or efficiently in the compression wave. All right, cool. I, mm, I'm intrigued by this. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> well, when you put your head underwater, like next to a speedboat, it gets quieter, but you can hear the speedboat from further away. But that might have to do with the fact that the ear has a little 
cushion of air. So maybe it's changing from medium to medium. Or something. I think it's, I think that's the medium because the engine itself is above the, is a, the, yeah, cause you said, the engine is actually normally above the water line. So it's the, it's the transfer. It's the, like Snell's law, it's a transfer from a less dense medium to a more dense medium. And you're getting a lot of the sound through the engine itself. It travels through the metal and transferred into mm. the water. So you get a different profile, but yeah, I, I don't, yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't well, know. That might be a bit deeper than uh, I can know how to go into in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just it, it, sorry. It, I, it's not once again. I'm don't. I'm not sure if I'm right hmm. here. This is just one of those. Wait, I thought a thing. That's what the walk of shame I is guess for. So business. yeah, we we'll have to do some. I'm going to do some research myself. But yes, I'm, I'm hmm. intrigued by that. Anyway, sorry. Go on, please. So eighty percent of the infrared bounces off. The heat r- remaining struggles to get through the barrier, and then some bounces back from the second layer. Your interior remains nice and cool. You can open your windows at night to let the cool air in and close them during the day to trap it. And if you run an air conditioner, it doesn't leak out as fast. Mm, Very cool. It is crazy expensive. Yes. But then so is heating and cooling a place. Passive heating and cooling is a very important thing to do. There's a lot of evaporative coolers in country Australia, especially in Western Australia and in country Queensland, where they don't use a refrigerant, they just use evaporative cooling. So they kind of look like mm. an air conditioning unit on your roof, but it's not, not the same thing. They are shockingly useless. <laughs> <laughs> well, certainly in a drier environment. Yes. And I suspect that if you're in a tropical environment, they would do a lot more for you. I think it's kind of like eating carob. Like you pick up a nice piece of chocolate, you go, oh, I'm going to have a nice bit of chocolate. And then you whack it in your mouth and you're like, oh, it's carob. I feel sad and angry about the world. It's the same thing with evaporative coolers on top of your house. You see it and you go, oh, yeah, I'm going to go inside. And it's going to be amazing. It's going to be nice and cool. It probably is like a degree cooler. It's, you know, a two degrees cooler, maybe more, but it's not the air conditioning wintry blast that you're expecting. So you just hate it. Maybe that's just me. <clears throat> Pretty much every person who's not an Australian listening to this and also subtropical Australian are like, yes, of course, glazed windows. We know what glazed windows are. We all have glazed windows. You peasants. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, it's good because now they know how they work. <laughs> oh, no, no. But it's just that funny idea. Once again, it's that cultural thing of why don't we put, you know, glazed windows in? Well, A, it's expensive. Pink heat. I'm intrigued now, though, about the idea of trapping heat, opening your windows. Maybe that's it as well. Maybe it's the opening of your windows. People don't want to open them because, you know, murderers get in. It's like a yeah, well, the, security the, these screen. ones are quite interesting because the way that you install them is that they can tip in slightly. Mm. So you can have them sort of slightly open, but people can't get in. But all the the hot air at the top goes out and cool air comes in I down the sides. I am very suspicious of this as well in one way because I've seen those in Scotland where my, my sister and my, my brother-in-law lives in Scotland. And when Scotland got up to 30 degrees Celsius, everyone was in deep trouble. And they had those windows and they opened them and nothing gets out. Like as it well it does, but it's not as much as you think. Because only gaps open, only only a gap. You can't. Mm. It's not like a. You can't just throw open your windows. Well, in this case, you can because you can pull them in slightly and leave them open all night if you like. Yeah. Because there's a little mosquito screen as well. Mm. But or you can close them and open them up, and they they're on a separate. Yes, yes, they have two. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's either vertical or, or horizontal, or you can open them entirely. Yes, that's that's mm. a separate thing. That's true. Yeah, that was like a safety thing. That's when they got told. I saw them originally. I got told, oh, that's just so if the house burns down, you can get out your windows because no one's going to open Scotland opens their windows. That's not a thing it's until it gets to thirty two degrees and they all die. You may remember Dan in the early two thousands. I remember everything. Every slight. You may remember the, the 
the pork craze, the pig craze of the early 2000s, where, and people- uh, Like the internet yes. one, where yeah. everything needed bacon? And bacon was everywhere, That's exactly right. And it's still around a little bit today, not as much, but bacon is still- Yeah, I've always liked the notion that bacon is the great equaliser. Mm. It can make something that's pretty awful- better, but it makes something that's really amazing pretty average. <laughs> Sprinkling bacon in. Yes, bacon has this mystical quality. People love bacon. Even to this day, people love bacon. They talk about it, like, you know, they you, you cook it in the morning and it's the smell of it, the aromatics, like, oh my goodness, bacon, bacon, bacon. And I've always felt- It is not good for you. It's very like, fatty. It is. And that's why it, it smells is. so good and everything's wonderful because it's all that wonderful yep. fat. And It's so heavily processed. Like, oh, if you want to avoid cancer, bowel cancer- Cut the bacon out. Yeah. Look, everything's going to kill you at some point. So, Also, if you want to avoid happiness, cut the bacon <laughs> out. <laughs> People love bacon. And I always wondered why. It's so much better than horse. It's, it's so much better. It is. Horse is a very lean meat. It's, uh, yeah, horse is quite nutritious. I, I feel like I'm being a contrarian, but I've never quite understood the fascination with bacon. And during the bacon craze, oh, my God, bacon. I was like, bacon's fine. Bacon's just this weirdly tasting meat. It's fine. And I never kind of got it. And I thought that people were making it up. I thought it was just like, and it's an internet craze and, and like, oh, it's fine. But there are other meats I'd much rather eat when I ate meat. Like I'd much eat, a, I'd much prefer lamb on any day of the week to bacon. So what what about spicy sausages and uh, ham and processed ham, stuff? I didn't mind ham, but only in small amounts. So I quite liked ham. Uh, I quite like crackling, the crackling. I, I enjoyed the crackling side of things, but I didn't eat a lot of pig product. No, I realized I, hmm. I was like, ham's fine. Ham's, and so I was always a bit confused by this. I, when I ate like glazed hams, at Christmas, it was the glazing I liked. It was the sweetness of the glazing, not the ham uh, yeah. itself. Like licking the icing sugar off your Turkish delight. Exactly right. So I was, I never, I never thought about it. I was just like, people are strange, or I'm strange. Something's going on. But I think I've discovered what it is. Yes. So when you're making bacon, there's something called the Mali, uh, making bacon, making bacon. Yes. The, the, the the Maillard reaction. That's, that's when you start cooking bacon. Yes, and you the browning, and the browning. That's right. So you, it's not just bacon, but basically any sort of browning sort of thing. And it's the reaction between the carbohydrates or reducing sugars, they called, and the amino mm-hmm. acids. And they form these. And when you heat up, they form these amazing long carbon hydrocarbon chains and they become aromatics and they brown things and you get that wonderful smell and you also amazing chemical yep. reactions in food and people love that and it gives that it, the crispiness of, on the chicken and it goes that yellowy brown color that we all love mm. so this is the, the maillard reaction that's what sort of draws you and it bro it throws all these amazing things into the air and you kind of get drawn to the bacon oh my goodness all the aromatics are in the air now smell is a big part of taste i mean it's, it's yep. that's what draws you in but there's a steroid in pigs called androstenone. And androstenone is in male pigs. More, well, it's, it's, a, it's a male pig hormone. And we have it too, by the way. How dare we, you? We do. It's, it's a male hormone, but it's... it's hit. I thought you said before you weren't going to get into sexist stuff. <laughs> so androstenone is this male hormone that male pigs produce in their saliva. And when female pigs are in heat, this is the like, oh, you're a sexy pig. Oh, I like you. And that's how they like, one of the things they'll pick for their mates is who's got the most androstenone, this male hormone. 
humans have very stupidly decided that if it works for pigs, it'll work on humans. So there's this dumb idea that you can spray androstenone spray on yourself and ladies will flock to you if that's what you're after. I just rub bacon all over myself I, and it works for great. The, the, the frog princess, is still, you're still happily married after all these years. <laughs> but supposedly the androstenone spray is garbage and humans don't work that way because it's a pig hormone, for God's sakes. But if you want to fuck a pig... <laughs> Indeed, indeed. So this androstenone has a very distinct smell for some people. It's been shown that there is, in the receptors in your nose, if you have both working receptors, then androstenone smells quite bad. You, it's a very strong smell. It smells a bit like urine. You get this very astringent smell. And I went, oh my goodness, that's exactly what I smell when I smell bacon. I don't get the, when you smell ah. it, you're smelling the, you're not smelling that. You don't, if one well, was saying most people who don't have, who, who don't have the both working receptors, I don't, I can't prove this by the way, smell, they don't smell androstenone as much. So you're getting more of the other smells in your nose. I think what's happening is because I'm detecting this androstenone to such a high level, I get this astringent, horrible smell. And so, Bacon has this, I get, oh, sharp smell in my nose. I don't understand why people ah, would want to so eat it. So this is coriander all over again. Yes, yes. So some humans get this smell from androstenone and some humans just don't as much. There's a scale here, of course. There's also something called scatol. And that does scat- not sound delicious. It, it's And scatol is when your body, but we humans have it as well, we turn tryptophan, which we talked about before in the podcast, yep. into scatol. And scatol is what gives feces its delectable odour. And scatol Well, that makes sense. Is- if you're eating food and turning it into something, that's going to yes. smell like poop for a very obvious reason. Yes, right. So why we have, our poop has a lot of scatol in it, and that's the poop smell. So scatol is found a lot, of, and it's found a lot in pigs as well. And some people are more susceptible to scatol. And some people are not. And so that's another idea. I was trying to work out. I don't think bacon smells like poop, though. But it may be a a negative connotation to my brain. I Mm. can't prove this. I'm just intrigued. Androstenone and scatol, I think, is the reasons I'm not super into bacon. Interesting. One last point about scatol. We just sort of jumped in very quickly. They use scatol in some perfumes as well. Ah. Put a few bits of perfume. If you drop in scatol into perfume, not too much. You don't. You don't want to. You don't want to have poop smell by Chanel or something. But you want to have something that makes your brain go, oh, what's this? And it makes your brain react. And the best way to get a brain to react is through disgust. But you don't want it to be so strong as the brain go, I hate this. You want your brain to go, something's up. A, a human being just walked in the room and now I must look at them. So you need to put just enough scattle in there. I want to make sure they're not dead. Yes. And, and you don't know what it is. This, this, is, this is the theory behind the perfumery industry. Some, some, some use this where so you go oh wait my brain's like oh what's going on why is that smell why why do they smell weird like wait a second did a whale just puke in here and oh my (laughs) god who is that so smells are super important they won't attract you a mate but they may ruin your love of bacon and there's nothing you can do that's it if you don't like bacon you're not gonna like bacon certainly bacon starts to smell worse and worse as it's not left eaten. And some people are like, oh, no, I'll just cook that up. That's fine. And you'll smell it and be like, oh, no, this is this bacon's no good anymore. So I wonder yeah. whether, like, if you've got real fresh bacon, whether you wouldn't have that sensation, whether it's a, a on a sliding scale. of Yeah, that's, it's, I don't know. I don't think there's more androstenone 
the amount of androsterone is, is set, but yeah. maybe it becomes more aromatic as time goes on. I don't mm. know that. One of the big issues they were saying to animal cruelty, they wanted to stop castrating pigs. So they wanted to just leave them uncastrated. And then people said, but that's going to increase the amount of androsterone in bacon. Is that a problem? And there's something called boar taint, which I found. So boar taint is, is, is it a thing? And people are two words, but two words or one word, uh, two words, boar taint. So, okay then. So it's 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 the that's, it, that's the that's that's the forbidden jerky. <laughs> no, not that taint, but right. tainted meat, as in right. it's tainted with androsterone and scatol. And people argue about this. I'm reading to you online. People are like, no, 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 boar taint's not a thing. And people are like, yep, boar taint's definitely a thing. And so if you add too much androsterone, I found these great research papers going. We gave more androsterone to bacon eaters and they didn't detect it. And another research is like, we gave more androsterone to bacon eaters and they could definitely detect it. And you're like, oh my goodness. So they want to, of course, not castrate pigs, but they also want everyone to eat more bacon. There's a lot of competing interests here. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. So, but anyway, if you don't like bacon or you're a bit weird about why everyone likes it, that may be it. Maybe you just Hmm. have some interesting receptors in your nose. Or maybe you just need to add a bit of coriander. Hmm. Hello. 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 Hi. Hello then. Hello. Talking is a very complex behaviour. Now, Greg and I make it look easy, but we've had years of experience and training. There are three important parts to talking. Number one, energy. This Mm. is created by the lungs. We have sensitive control over our lungs, allowing us to in and also ex- Hail mm. at very specific rates. Mm-hmm. The vibration. Now, this comes mm. from the larynx. The timbre. Mm. This is where the vocal cords are. The vocal cords allow us to create sound. It can change pitch by vibrating at different speeds. And this is basically all they do. Uh, that's your vocal cord doing something. Mm-hmm. There is also a glottal stop. This mm. is the little punch sound. In the middle of the something like the phrase, uh-oh, there's a little, you can hear that sort of pop Ooh, okay. between them. Yes. This is done by the muscle at the end of the vocal cords closing and opening, mm. so building up pressure and releasing it. Without vibration, we can only speak in whispers. Welcome to the ASMR podcast, smart enough, no better. Asthma. 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 How feeling? If you it's use... It's a sexual thing, but it's totally a sexual thing. I mean, arse, arses are... Asses can be sexual. Some people say that they're a representation of the female chest. I'm not too sure about that. If you're aroused by this, it's okay. Can't hear a word you're saying. Damn it. Okay. (laughs) If you lose your larynx, you need to replace the vibration. This is why people who have had throat cancer need a small device pressed to their neck. Mm. Their lungs push the air out, their mouths and lips can form the shapes, and the device vibrates the air travelling through their throat. I always thought the sound was somehow coming out of the machine, but that wouldn't make any sense because it's not passing the lips and tongue. So how would you do that? Mm. You could make a machine that does that because I've seen the carotid microphones and in the military, they know they use them a lot. You stick them on and it detects the movement of your throat and transfers the signal. So you don't have to go, the enemy are over there. Oh shit, they've heard me. <laughs> you can speak without speaking. Uh, or at least very quietly speaking, ring in. I'll have to look into that because the vocal cords only do 
vibrating. It's yeah, they maybe, only do pitch. I am happy to be totally wrong there, but I I, I thought yeah. it was I thought it was it detected. Maybe they're doing something on top of that. Maybe if you if you make the lip gestures and the or the gestures with your gestures face gestures, maybe that sets off. Look it in. If you're a military yeah. person, ring in and tell us. Yeah, I'm going to have to look look into that. Now you don't need vocal cords to create vibration. You can also make a throat clearing sound. Mm. So you'd be like, like that. Okay. It's horrifying. Horrifying. Or some people can ingest air and then burp long enough to speak. (laughs) Or Mr. Methane, the other end. Yep. Although he does not have teeth and lips down there to pronounce things. I bet that breaks his heart every day of his life. He needs a resonator. Mm. This is the mouth. We can adjust the size of the mouth and the place of the tongue Mm. to change vowels. We can change the position of our tongue and teeth to create consonants. We can even make the th sound, which is very peculiar to English. I mean, go. And Norse, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. But it's so important, the TH sound in English. It's in the top 10. It's maybe even the top five of the sounds English people make. But we don't have a letter for it. It's no, weird. we got a pair of letters. Why? Like, it's so important. You think, I know in the past we did, there was like that weird, the thorn. weird P. Yes, that weird P, but that's gone. But English went, no, 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 we're just going to use this a lot. But it must have come later. It must have. It's so weird. Anyway. Hmm. Uh, to get a good sense of how this part of our mouth works, take a look in the show notes for a link to a website called The Pink Trombone. Uh, use use <laughs> the Dan, link because if Dan. you do a search, mm. make sure it's safe searches on. Mm. Mm, Dan, Dan, please, just like, please, there are children listening. There should not be children listening. Uh, So the pink trombone is an interactive mouth simulator where you can mess around with tongue position and (laughs) lips and nose, and it's very interesting to fiddle around with. You've definitely been on Pornhub, haven't you? That's what what this is. No. Welcome to the mouth simulator. (laughs) Sorry. The pink trombone, the mouth simulator. Are you alone right now? The pink trombone does sound like a seedy jazz place. It does. I love it. It's something that Mopsy Casserole would go to. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. She runs the place. Yeah. Now, can you you think of anything that talks uh, other than a person? Uh, A parrot. Yeah. Yay. That, that was a little avalanche's joke for those people who uh, who missed it, who like to know all the little um, little line from Frontier Psychiatrist. All right, parrots. Oh yes, quite oh, famously. Was, yeah. you, well done. You you led me right into that. I, uh, wow. Well done. Am I that yeah. predictable? Oh God, I'm that predictable. Not only are you that predictable, but the actual term is a bird. But I oh. expected you to say a parrot. Thank you. That's how predictable you are. I knew I, which can, mistake you were going to make. Can I Can I say then, not predictable then, we just know each other so well because we're good friends. That's not predictability. That's, under, that's grokking each other, Dan. Thank you. I appreciate that. You've ruined it. All right. Parents, <laughs> quite famously, they do not have lips, they nor don't. do they have teeth. God. They do have uh, a... Hmm? Uh, just visualize a parrot with lips. Uh, it's like... it's. It's like it seems really Mick, happy in my my time. Mick Jagger, <laughs> <laughs> the way he struts around. Now parrots do have a larynx, but they do not use it to make sound. Instead, they have a syrinx. The syrinx sits lower in the throat at the base of the trachea, which is where the two windpipes split to go meet up with their lungs. There are often four muscles with interior and exterior membranes that can work mm-hmm. independently. 
This means that the bird can make one vibration from one lung and a different vibration from the second lung. My goodness, that's so cool. It has a lot more control, meaning it can use this part of its anatomy to replicate sounds. It can be a Mongolian throat singer, like, just easily, just simple. They'd be like, yep. whatever, whatever. We care yep. not for your two-tone singing nonsense. We're parents. Yep. Now, lyrebirds have only three muscles, meaning that the muscles need to be more dynamic, and they are. So, lyrebirds, I'm sure the listeners have heard, can mimic all sorts of other bird song, mm. as well as things like camera clicks and mm. chainsaws and traffic noise, <laughs> anything that is created using vibration. Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, lyrebirds can't speak, though. Oh. Parrots can modulate the vibration, but they have an uncommonly thick tongue for birds. The tongue has five bones in it and is forked to allow it to grip its food. They use their tongue to create clicks, but they can also alter the sound from their syrinx to create B and P sounds. They huh. are the only bird that can do this. Oh, my goodness. I'd never thought about this. So, so a lyrebird can't, you could say, Polly want a cracker to a lyrebird or as long as the day is, and it could never, you could never say it. Can't make the put noise. No. Huh. Can't do it. Sucked in, lyrebirds. I've been so inferior for so long because I can't make a chainsaw noise. Not a, not a good one. I could, you know, I could give, I could belt one out, but it's not great. But now I feel much better. Now, in the wild, parrots have family groups and the flock that they have has their own accent. Mm. So when they're raised in captivity, they want to sound like their flock. So they mimic speech. Oh, right. Yeah. So we're their flock, like dogs being a pack. They're like, oh, okay. I'll sound yep. like you. They can associate certain phrases with certain contexts. And this does give us the impression that they understand. But there is something that we can do with language that they simply can't. Actually, two things. They can't do bass. They're too small. <laughs> yep. They there is only, no Barry White cockatoo. They can only tweet. <laughs> yeah. Twitter. It's tweet. It's, mate, wait. That's, wait. Is that a joke? Wait. Sorry. Tweeters. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, yeah, yes, that's tweeters what, yeah. and woofers. Woofers and tweeters. And yes, yeah. that's right. Yes. Okay, good. Phew. I was saying the right thing and I ruined it by explaining it. Great. <sighs> Trust myself. Look, it's not the only thing that's been ruined by Twitter.com. <laughs> So the other thing, we can attach meaning to our words. A parrot can make a certain call when it recognises a certain person, but its association doesn't as ascribe meaning to what it has said. Mm. It knows it's rewarded saying the phrase in a certain context, but mm. it can't make the connection between the phrase and the concept of a person. Yes. It can't modify it. If it learns Polly wants a cracker, it's not going to break that down and understand Polly wants or cracker. And it's not going to start saying, Jimmy wants a cracker or something like that. The language concept yeah. is not there. Yep. There is some interesting research with a very famous African grey parrot called Alex, which was able to name colours of things mm. and name the amount of edges and stuff, but it's still nebulous. Yes. And people, it, it, it leads down interesting pathways, like Coco the gorilla and that, the, and the doing sign language. I definitely could sign. And now there's a lot of evidence that's, well, a lot of research says, no, it's, it's, is it making concepts or are we reading into them? Same as dolphins with the keyboards underwater. And it's really hard to, cause you can't get inside their brains. You can't ask them. You haven't got language. Mm. To ask them, and even then, when people said that, I read that. When I read that, you know, we haven't got language to ask them. You go, yeah, I, I don't even trust humans uh, who self-report stuff because we don't. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we know stuff, but we also lie to ourselves. So it's a whole different thing. Mm. That's, that's a whole and the thing is, thing. it's still communication, even mm. if mm. The, the meaning isn't there. 
they, they dolphins. I mean, we know now that dolphins. I mean, they have names, so dolphins will put they'll 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 do a call mm. and then have a sound, and that's them. We talked on the podcast before, and then more recently, they've discovered that there are certain dolphins on the American military were working with them, and they laugh. And they have a, they think it's a laugh and they think huh? that it's, so it's, they noticed that they, they, they were trying to work out why these dolphins were picking up sponges and then off the ground and putting them on their nose, on their bulb. And then they were blasting out, talking to each other. They were, they were sending out clicks mm-hmm. and tweets and stuff through the water. And they're trying to work out, oh, was this to hunting? Was this, what was this going on? What they think is they're doing now, they, they, they went a very different way. They, they were trying to look for all the different real reasons why they were doing it. And then they think, well, actually, you know, it changes the pitch of the sound coming out of their melon and they, and then these, the other animals would make this noise. And the, the idea is just an idea. They think that it's kind of like us taking helium or, and changing our voice oh, pitch right. and the other ones find it funny because they've yeah. discovered that they, and I was like, that's interesting. So they may be just going, hi everyone. I'm a dolphin. Everyone's like, <laughs> like uh, click, click. We, he's yeah. doing sponge voice again. Yeah. And I, that's so there's some deep thinking there, but even mice can laugh as well. Mm, they laugh when you tickle them. They, they laugh when you tickle them. And that's interesting, but we don't want to go mm. down this path, I think, because it opens up a really terrifying idea of why do we eat them then? Because if they have laughter and they have family units and concern, we're, we're straying very carefully very close to the idea of maybe they're sentient on some level and maybe they have rights. I haven't been eating a lot of dolphin or mouse, so I guess I'm really pleased that you're a vegetarian. No, 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 I'm not. No, no, that's not a vegetarian thing. I'm honestly not pushing anything here, I promise. It's just, I think, I, I once again, it's just my personal opinion with all this research is that we dance very, very carefully around this because it opens up a can of worms, which could also be, have dreams and lives and... We, and no, I don't want to have to stop eating worms. <laughs> but do, do, like, do you, do you, it's a slippery slope. It's a yeah. It's a really oh, and worms love a slippery slope. They do they laugh? All Makes the things way down. a lot easy for them. <laughs> Welcome to the Walk of Shame, where you, the listener, point out the mistakes that we've made along the way. I love that sigh. It means that I've got them all. I just I. I do I really make that many mistakes? Is that what, what's going on here? I always thought myself. People as, just want to bring you down. They I want just, to cut down your ivory tower. They want to it. kneecap your and eat the delicious high horse that you're on, <laughs> always up on. <laughs> Before I give it to Odin. Michael Barnes is coming through for me. Uh, we were talking about radiation poisoning mm. and you said that someone's going to have to take a lot of iodine. Mm. It bonds with the fallout. Yes. No, no. Uh, it bonds now, with the receptor. He believes, that, that, he believes that what Greg is alluding to here is the use of potassium iodine as a treatment for exposure to a specific type of radioactive material which can be released in nuclear accident. Mm. Now, potassium iodine and radioactive iodine are both types of iodine. Mm. They are both absorbed by the thyroid. Mm -hmm. For potassium iodine to work, the person must take it before or shortly after exposure to radioactive iodine. When the person takes the right amount, it can help block the thyroid from absorbing radioactive iodine. This happens because the thyroid has already absorbed the potassium iodine, and there's no room left to absorb the radioactive iodine. Yes, okay, yes, okay. It doesn't bond with the fallout. Okay, It just sorry. prevents the body from absorbing it. Absolutely. Kind of like trying to poison, put poison in someone's mouth, but it's already filled with fried chicken. Mm. There's no more room for the poison. <laughs> yes, he's absolutely right. Thank you, Michael, for explaining that much better than I was trying to off the top of my head. 
Yes. Yeah, that was good because I'd, I'd heard that sort of stuff before, but I didn't understand how it worked. Yes. It's easy. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, chicken, it really, yeah. roast chicken. Potassium iodide is the thing, but you only take it. You go, oh, no, it's all happened, everyone. Take your potassium iodide. Hopefully we never have to do that. Yeah. <sighs> well, not in Australia. What are you talking about? Can't get an ICBM here. What are you talking about? You're not going to have a, huh? Why would you? Mm. Radioactive fallout? Yes. No, we're, we're safe down here. Why? All that, all that rubbish is up in the Northern Hemisphere. That's very, on the, that's very Neville shoot on the beach of you, but okay. Um, no, I think, I think I live very, I live super on the beach. I live, I live disturbingly close to a, a military air force base. You know, I don't particularly north of Perth. I don't, depends on what level. Anyway. Ha ha. The center of our country has a listening post. An American listening post there. That middle no one else lives there. Not many people live there. I should say. No, no one else lives there. Basically, no one lives there. There are a lot of poor, there are a lot of indigenous people who would get nuked again. But anyway, <sighs> now Al Batson sent in an email about for all mankind, but it has spoilers, so I couldn't read it. So I've no idea whether it's a walk of shame. So you dodged a bullet okay, there very, potentially. Which okay, cool. It's a, I probably said something weird about for all mankind. It's a great show. Everyone should watch it. It's wonderful. I love it. So that's it. That's the walk of shame. Joel Kinnaman. Joel. Oh, walk of shame on that one. The main actor from that, the one who was in. It's pronounced cinnamon. <laughs> the one, the, the, uh, the actor from Altered Carbon. He's this big white guy and he's scary. He plays angry really well, as in, yeah, he's a big fella, but something about when he is an annoyed, he plays annoyed, you go, Oh God, he's terrifying. It's something about his face and his, he acts it very, very well. He acts angry incredibly well. If you met him in a dark alley and he was looking at you like that, you'd go, Oh, I'm about to be eaten. It's a very primal. He's a big. Puppy dog, really. He probably is. He's probably a lovely man, but yeah, he, he acts angry, crazy well. So if Greg makes a mistake, please do send it to Dan at smartenough.org. And they will. I love it. That's fine. It's good. And also the vice versa. But you know, that never happens. You have been listening to Dan at smartenough.org. And Greg at smartenough.org. Get along to the website. Click on all the buttons if you like oh, the things. Buttons. The buttons. Click. Oh, it's amazing. It's like a Skinner box. Oh, I feel so. Oh, I feel so good. Mm. We're we're on Spotify now. Yeah, we are. Um, mm. Our our Stitcher link is repaired. Our RSS feed works. Mm-hmm. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can drop some money into our tips jar. You can buy a shirt, sure. or you can support us on Patreon. Mm. If you support our mid tier, mm-hmm. then. We will read your name out on the podcast. That is what's happening now. Ooh, a big okay. thank you to Andrew Trousdale, Christopher Revel, Britta Rogowski, Andrew Whitehurst, Gronio Maguire, Elizabeth Yunkin, Andrew Potts, A.V. Greenbury, Lindsay Jenkinson, Ivan, Ilana Mitchell, Sean Seifkin, Matthew Toy, and Matt Ewers. Thank you. Thank you so much. Wonderful peoples. I love the fact that a lot of these people now are basically friends podcast friends I like that we either emailed them or chatted to them or met them online or interviewed them or some sort of weird thing so it's it's funny how or they've just sent an email telling me oh, how to pronounce their name absolutely right. that's exactly right you have this wonderful parasocial relationship and it's wonderful love it well it's slightly less parasocial yeah the people who we've never heard of oh, okay. they're, they're they've got the proper parasocial oh, okay. well, relationship well, shame. this is a real relationship like we're oh, at work God. and falling in love oh. My goodness, we're we're going to be a, now, a poly podcast relationship. Oh my goodness! Our top, our top. That happened as soon as we were guests on the Raven On podcast. I think our top. I think is that how that works? What? I think it does. All right. <laughs> hmm? What? 
Because we're now we have relationships with, with other that podcasters. podcast as oh, well. I see, right? Because yes. we were interviewed on there. Well, we've been interviewed with other podcasts as well. Not just we've been interviewed. Yeah, we've done yeah. Like you know, yes. We're we're, we're we are filthy, filthy. I can't think of a way to do this joke without being real offensive. You don't want to slut shame us or anyone else. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to slut shame oh, us. That's fine. We have a healthy appetite for for. We're hanging out podcast with other relationships. That's fine. It's perfectly healthy, and we're you know you know we we work together, Dan, you and I. But we we are open mm-hmm. to working with other podcasts, and that's fine. And I share yep, you as long as we use because your successes are my successes. And as long as we're using a proper pop filter, <laughs> we should be safe. All right, our Greg top Lard, tier, the raw dog podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God, I just see the term raw dog. Why did I just see the term? Oh, God, I made myself sad. It's quite a woofer. <laughs> okay, our top tier insist that we insult them. Insist. T- t- for their- they're, they're just ridiculous people who... <sighs> yes, rather than $5 US, they pay us $15 oh a month US, and I have to insult them. Now... This is getting harder and harder to theme each time. So I was just drinking a cup of tea, mm. trying to come up with a theme for this mm. month's insults. So this month's insults, the theme is beverages. Nice. Excellent. Okay. So Tom Siri, you are like milk added to hot tea. You are easily burned. Mm. <laughs> nice burn. Uh, Robert Shelton, you are like a pint of beer. The only good thing about you is still technically a poison. I like the idea that on small levels, he calms you down, but at high levels, you do lots of dangerous crap. <laughs> I think you're stretching the metaphor out far too far there. No, that's very nice. Danny Soares, you're a chai hard. Oh, very good. Steve Stewart, you are like any hot drink. Greg hates you. <laughs> I do. It's true. Hot drinks are the worst. I don't, I don't get them. I don't, I don't, burn your I mouth. Think- how do you not? How, do I have a sensitive mouth? What's going on, Dan? I don't know what's going on. Certainly, you create sensation in others using your mouth, but not necessarily your larynx. And it's hot. Steve, I can hout. And I really want to go on record that I don't actually want to insult anyone, and I do not stand by any of these insults. <laughs> okay. Okay. Steve, oh. I can hout. I like my Steve, I can hout like I like my coffee. White. I like them white, Steve. Oh, wow. Oh, no. Oh, I just feel uh, awful. I don't, why did you go there? Because they pay me. They pay they, me, they, Greg. They, but why did you go there? I That's, told you these are hard to do. I don't, wow. Okay. Yeah, I know. I don't know. I don't know if we. Really? I know. I know. And I, look, I knew this would be your reaction too. I, I can't. I don't feel comfortable with it. I don't know. But I'm definitely leaving it in. Oh, my God. So, Michael Kedar. Michael Kedar. I think Dan's trying to end the podcast forever. I think that's what he's trying to do now. He's just trying to get us. He's just trying to. Look, it is a lot of work. (laughs) It's been 11 years. If we're going to go out, we want to go out blazing like a comet. (laughs) Being chased by a tail of people. (laughs) The best way to accumulate pitchforks. Be in your back. Dan and Greg, Dan and Greg's Pitchfork Emporium for all your pitchfork needs. I, that would require them to give up their pitchforks, though. 
before we can um, sell no, them. No, no, no. They need pitchforks. No one, who has a pitchfork these days? They need oh, to get pitchforks. Oh, it's I like see. that person. Oh, it's like I the guy, the, it's like the manager of Elvis who sold I Hate Elvis shirts out the front because <laughs> he was already selling all the Elvis merchandise to the people who loved it. He could now sell to the people who hated Elvis. That's, that's, that's right. I see what you're saying. Good. Yeah. Good. Okay. Mm. So, Michael Kedar. You're as bad as child slavery. You're as bad as stealing water from people dying of thirst. You're as bad as corporate price fixing and as bad as tricking life-giving breast milk from the mouths of babies. You, Michael Kedar, are the Nestle of human beings. (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, there goes that sponsorship, I guess. And a big thank you to these tall glasses of water, Morton O'Hare, Al Batson, Eric Wilson, Michael Barnes, and Scott Driscoll, who do not insist that I insult them. Yay. So thank you to all the people on Patreon who write us up with a little bit of money. Some people do it because they just, they love the fact that we don't do ads. And yes. I just mm-hmm. thought I'd drop in. We were actually approached by one of these ad companies, like the ads, Ooh. like you, listeners, you've heard an ad from these people mm. in another mm. podcast, and we refused to mm. take their money because for, right. for your experience, listeners. Because we'd also not be able to take it seriously. There's no way we'd be able to seriously add something, do some ads. Oh, yeah, I do sometimes listen to presenters, and obviously they have to do the ads, mm. but they hate doing it. And they, mm. they, they cannot engage with it sincerely. And it's always interesting. <laughs> One thing I've noticed, uh, I mentioned her just before, is the Raven On podcast with Girl oh, Clumsy yeah. and Disco Stew. And I've noticed that Girl Clumsy is now finishing the podcast by saying, as we always say. Yes, and, she's, she's stolen our yeah, idea. So, yes. yeah. So either we're a great inspiration or she's mm. a plagiarist. Either way, as we always like to say, beef is the Bitcoin of meat. They don't name their horses. Smart. Smart. That's why I don't eat tropical cyclones. For the listener's benefit, Greg is laughing noiselessly. <laughs> well, sorry, I was trying to, I was trying to give you a, an edit point. That's fine. I apologize. <laughs> that was a good way to end. Oh, I always edit after the laughter finishes. Okay. So <laughs> don't, don't patronize me. And it was funny. I'm sorry. It was very good. It's very good. Also, you're suppo- now supposed to ask me about my weekend science. I was, but you were constantly ragging on me for not laughing I was, enough. I know how this game is played. I know how this horse is eaten. I'm badly by the Catholic Church. From the inside out. I was trying to work out. There was a joke then in my mind originally that cyclones were only named after women. And you were talking about... Anyway, there's a joke there that... Oh, the- a, like rude, a, a very rude joke that I wasn't... Very rude joke about cunning lingers. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was something there. And I was trying to... And I was like, wait, no, that was a very, very cunny, old thing. Cunning nimbulus? Cunning nimbulus <laughs> cloud? Is that... Is there something there? <laughs> not, mm, it's, no. <laughs> Maybe it's not. very wet. <laughs> oh, oh, no. 
I saw this lovely notion uh, that we're elves to dogs and cats. Yeah, yeah. It's like, ah, oh, his eternal lifespan. Yeah. Here I am, grey in the brow, and he has still a sprightly young human. Yeah. That's a that's a wonderful written story. I've read that one. It ends with it's at the end of the human's life and the dogs talking to the younger dogs going, "Why do we care about this aging creature? It's ridiculous." It's like it's kind of like the end of religion in my mind. Like, why do we care? And it's like, "No, this human has seen us through six generations of our lives. You know, uh, you know, my father and my father's father, my father's father, and he looked after us. And our job now, or your job, you know, it's dogs getting old too, your job will be to see this human through the end of their life because they've been good to us. Now it's now it's your time to be good to them. All they need you to do is sit quietly with them and be kind. And I was like, oh, it's so lovely. It's kind of like seeing your um, yeah, God go out. It's very Ragnarok-y in some ways. Sort of. That's cute. Yeah. I haven't read the whole oh, thing. Oh, okay. I, That's... Sorry, I saw a tweet. Or oh, something. right, 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 right. It's, I'll have to find it's it for you. It's the only way I consume media these days. <laughs> it's, it's a lovely, it's a lovely idea. I, um... Except for that f***ing Harry Potter fan fiction. Oh, yes. That you talked about on the podcast. Yes. I'm still a f- over a thousand <laughs> pages to go on the damn thing. Amazing. I'll have to tell Natasha. That's great. She'll love that. I haven't actually gone through it. It's just. <laughs> it's real f- Long. Obviously, it's good though. It's holding you. Uh, I mean, it's not a story. Mm. It's someone just having fun in a universe mm. for five thousand pages and being, so. being very clever with it. I've heard so very clever, mm. very clever writer. How's that working out for you? Yeah, not yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's it's very clever writing. It's not good writing. It's very clever though. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, oh, this will t- this will hold me up. I like clever things. Little buttons. Oh, the buttons on the floor. Yeah, and I and I don't like it. And I oh. Tommy the cat can speak to me. And you're like, ah, I, it's really not. Tommy and the cat can play scat music. <laughs> Primus are friends with him. 